risen, not only because I see, but because by it I see everything else. So if you were here last night, and how many of you were here last night? Okay, very good. So you may remember that last night I pointed out that if there is no God, well, you tell me. What did I talk about last night? If there is no God, there is no, there's no right and wrong. What else? There's no free will. There is no consciousness. Exactly right. Anybody remember one more? No thinking. Wow, this is unbelievable. That's the greatest recall I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, that's exactly right. So what I talked about last night was, if there's no God, how do we even think about anything? And that's kind of what C.S. Lewis here is saying. Of course there's a God. It just makes sense that there's a God. But there are some people that they don't have the same vibe that C.S. Lewis does. For them, it is not so obvious. They want to know, tell me a reason why to believe in God. So Many of you here this morning may have never even had a question in your mind, and that's absolutely fine. And some of you may have even already at a young age have started to kind of have doubts, or maybe you've heard somebody on YouTube talk about why they used to believe in God, but they don't anymore, or on TikTok or something like that. So what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about evidence for why we should believe in God. Now, here's one thing that we're not going to be able to offer someone. We're not going to be able to prove to them that God exists because we can look in a microscope and see him or because we can look in a telescope and find him. Now, you tell me, why is that not going to be the way that we're going to talk about how you can know there is a God? Yeah, that's exactly right. God is not a physical object. Now, like we could put this pulpit, we could take a sample, put it under a microscope. Or we could, if God was a physical object out in space, we could use a telescope. But that's not the kind of thing God is. What is the very first verse of the Bible? What does the very first verse of the Bible say? That's exactly right. Most important statement in the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, which means if he created the heavens and the earth, is he an object in the heavens and the earth? No, that's exactly right. So science, which studies the natural world, is not going to be able to find God because God is not part of the natural world. He's not a rock to examine. He's not a bug to dissect. He's not a star to travel to someday. That's not the kind of thing that God is, all right? So how could we know? how we can find God. Well, here's what I want to do, a read, some reading from a Bible passage. And uh, somebody who has, did you say you have your Bible? Could you turn to Romans 1? All of you who have your Bibles, turn to Romans 1 if you'd like to. And I want to read just a couple of verses here. Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, and would you please start reading, and I'm going to interrupt you a lot. So don't be thrown by this. Don't lose your place. All right. So start at verse 18. Now take a good close look at that word. Instead of surpass, look at that word closely again. What is that word? Instead of surpass, it is surpass. Uh, Suppress. Yeah, it's easy, easy mistake to make. What does it mean to suppress? Yeah, hold down. So you all have had this experience. You go to the doctor and they stick that thing in your mouth to hold your tongue down. You know what that thing is called? A tongue suppressor. Yeah, so it holds your tongue down. So here's what Paul just said. There is a truth about God that is held down. Okay, keep going. Excellent. That is very good reading. And that's 
That was a pretty dense passage I gave you to read, so you did a great job. So let's think about what Paul just said here. He says, there is a truth about God, which some people hold down. They suppress it. And then he says, that truth about God can be known. How did he say it can be known? Through what or in what? Yeah. Evidence of his creation in the things that are made. And in fact, Paul says that through the things that are made, we can know a couple of things about God. What are the things he says we can know about God? Yeah. All right, now we absolutely can learn that we can trust God for sure. There's a couple of things specifically in this passage he says we can know about God. What were they? Yeah. Very good. His eternal power. And then your translation, I think, said Godhood. And others may say his divine nature. So here's what Paul said. We can look at the things that have been made. We can see them. We can observe them. And then we can use our brain because we do have the power to think. And we can use reason. And from the things that are made, we can then understand that there is a God. All right? So, you ready to try to do this together? How would we look at the things that are made, and then from that, come to know that there is a God? So, here's how we're going to start this morning. I'm going to start this morning with a very special creation of God that we're going to use as our launching pad. It's going to blow your mind. It's unbelievable. What is your name? Yes. Lindsay, Lindsay, would you come up here, please? Kinsey, I'm so sorry. Kinsey, I'm Shane. How are you this morning? Good. Are you okay? Are you nervous? You really just have to stand there at this point. It's, it's, I'll do it from here, okay? But you're just going to stand. Ladies and gentlemen, I would like to introduce you to a creation of God. Would you agree with that? This is a creation of God. Yeah. Now, I'm going to also show you another creation of God. Here's a creation of God. That is me, a mere 54 years ago, all right? Well, I was in my prime. It's all been downhill from there, but uh, all right. Now, um, Paul says there's something we're supposed to be able to learn by looking at the things that are made. And we would all agree Kinsey is something that has been made. And we would all agree that I am something that's been made. And of course, that would be true of you guys. Now, here is, here is the thing I want you to consider. And if you just get this point, really, we're home free. We're just home free. So, uh, Kinsey, uh, how old are you? 11 years old. I'm 54 years old. Why are you laughing? There's nothing funny about that. In fact, it's a painful, sad existence at this point. All right, what, when's your birthday? Oh, February 3rd. February 3rd. Mine is September 7th. All right. So then you and I have birthdays, which means that what did both of us, what did both of us have in common? On one certain day, February and September 7th, what happened to us? We were born. That's exactly right. Now, did you make yourself get born? No, neither did I, and neither did any of you. In fact, in order for us to be born, in order for us to come into existence, in order for you to come into existence, we needed something else. Namely, we needed a mom and a dad to meet, and then we were born. Would everybody agree with that? Very good. Kenzie, you did an excellent job. That wasn't nearly as bad. You seem less wanting to shake my hand now than before, and I mean, really, it's, it should be good now at this point. All right, go have a seat. Get on my way. All right, so, um, yeah, so we would all agree then that you and I are examples of something that has been made, right? And we would also agree that in order for any of us to exist, we needed something else. We needed our moms and dads, all right? And not only that, <clears throat> uh, we need something to keep on existing. What do you need to keep existing right at this very moment? Yes. Well, that's right, but that's cheating because that's where we're headed here, all right? But I absolutely agree with you. But even before that, just some basic things you need to exist. Yes. All right, you need food and water. What about you? Oxygen. Yeah, I'll go with that. Wouldn't you? Yeah. 
Shelter, yeah. Rest, I, I agree with all of those things, yeah. Say that again. Oh, very interesting, right, a soul. Uh, coffee, I needed that this morning, for sure, for me to exist, yeah. Sunlight, that's exactly right. So would you all agree that you and I are examples of something that's been made? Are we all in agreement with that? And would you also agree with me that you and I, as that which is made, we needed something to come into existence, and we need something to stay in existence. Are we all clear on that? You're home free, by the way. You're home free at this point. Now we're just gonna we're just gonna put some points together. So here's a pop quiz, just to make sure we're all on the same page here. So here are the two questions: What did I need to come into existence? What do I need to stay in existence? We're all good with these, right? All right. So here's a pop quiz. Here's a, down Florida. We have a lot of these trees. They're called a live live oak. So somebody has not answered yet, tell me, in order for that tree to come into existence, what did it need? Somebody who hasn't answered yet. Yeah. Say that again. A seed of some kind. Yeah. What else? Yeah. It needed sunlight. Yeah. Water. Exactly right. You're, you're all exactly right. Those are all things. And guess what? It needs a lot of those things to stay in existence, doesn't it? Because if we had a drought, yeah. Well, yeah, but I mean, you're just cutting. So you're, this is the kid who, uh, he looks in the back of the textbook and sees the answer key. That's exactly right. That's where we're all headed here. That's where we're all headed here. But we're going to work our way there bit by bit. Okay, but you're exactly right. So uh, yeah, it needs, if there was no water, eventually this tree would die, wouldn't it? If there was no sunshine, this tree would die. So very good. So you would agree with me that here we have another thing we can see, a tree, and it's the kind of thing that needs something else to come into existence, needs something to stay in existence, okay? Now, this is not only true of things that are alive right now. This would be true of things that have lived previously, right? Like here's a Tyrannosaurus rex. And you would agree with me, wouldn't you, that it needed something to come into existence, right? Yeah, uh, mommy and daddy, Tyrannosaurus rex. And uh, it needed something to stay in existence, right? And if it lost those things, then it's no longer going to exist, which is what happened to it. So nothing super complicated here. We're just looking around. And this is what Paul said we're supposed to be able to do. Look around, look at the things that have been made, and then what do you know about them? And here's what you know about them. They are all examples of the kind of thing that needs something to come into existence, and need something to stay in existence. Hang on here just a second. All right, now, just to make sure we've got all the bases covered, all right, what about this right here? So uh, the Death Star, all right, just in case. We're going to cover all our bases, including those a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. So what did the Death Star need to come into existence? Yes. That's exactly right, people to build it. And in order to stay in existence, it needed a well-guarded thermonuclear port. Uh, otherwise, if a one in a million shot went down the port, then the whole thing blows up. All right. So uh, does everybody know what I'm talking about, by the way, with the Death Star here? Oh, no. All right. So we need to have special Bible studies for this young lady right here to show her uh, Star Wars episodes four, five, and six. Maybe one, two, and three, definitely not seven, eight, and nine, but we certainly want to get four, five, and six. But yeah, so then here's what I want us to just understand. There are really only two options. Whatever it is that exists, you would agree with me either, the options are either it needs something else to exist or it needs nothing else to exist. I mean, those are the only two logical options. You follow me? And as we looked around at the things that Paul says we can look at, the visible things, created things, things that are made, what we noticed is those things all have two things in common. They need something else to come into existence, your mom and dad, and they need something to stay in existence, sun, water, rest, donuts, whatever it is that helps you to stay into existence. We all good so far. No, 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 no fancy tricks here. We're all good, right? I, I, when I teach at school, I, I do what I call the eyeball test, where I have to look into everybody's eyes and make sure the light is on. So we're all good here, right? Okay, I think we're mostly good here this morning. All right. Now then, here's what I want you to do. And if you have something to draw with, I want you to, uh, we're going to draw something on the back of your sheet. 
On one side of it, I want you to draw a box. And here's what we're going to label this box. This box is the box of everything that exists. Everything that exists. If it exists, we're going to put it in this box just to illustrate. Now then, just think with me. If everything that exists is going to be in this box, then what would be left outside of it? Yeah. That's right. Things that don't exist. And what do you call that which doesn't exist? It is nothing. Nothing. All right. So everybody see that? Whatever exists, we're going to put in this box. We're going to call it everything that exists. Whatever it is. Whatever exists now, whatever has existed is going to go in that box. And if everything that exists is in that box, then all that's left is nothing. Would we all agree with that? We good with that. So then let's think about what we've talked about today. So uh, I exist. And uh, if I had pictures, I could put pictures of Kinsey in there too. But unfortunately, uh, we just met this morning. So, uh, so there's me. There's the live oak tree. There's a Tyrannosaurus rex that used to exist and possibly exists, the Death Star, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Now, here is the last big hurdle today. We get this question right, you're absolutely home free. So just think with me and think with me very carefully. Here is the question. Could everything that exists, everything that exists, need something else to exist? Now, many of you are shaking your heads no, and you're exactly right. Now I want to explain to you why. Actually, I want you to explain to me. If everything that exists needed something else to exist, what's the problem here? Yeah. Yeah, no, you had your hand up too. Yeah, go ahead. That's exactly right. So look, if everything needs something else, here's the question. Outside of the box of everything, is there anything else? That's exactly right. There's nothing. And so that is the reason you have answered correctly this morning. There is no something else. Because we said everything that exists, we've put it in the box. So then here's what that means. Within this box of everything that exists, there must be something that needs nothing else to exist. So that wouldn't be me, right? Because I need something else to exist. And it wouldn't be the oak tree because it needs something else to exist. And it wouldn't be Tyrannosaurus Rex. He needed something else to exist. It wouldn't be the Death Star. It needed something else. So there must be something in this box that needs nothing else to exist. Yes. That is exactly right. And this would be what we call God. Okay? So let me show you a passage in the Bible that kind of spells this out for us. Who was another person that had a Bible with him this morning? All right. Would you please turn to Acts chapter 17? All of you who have your Bibles, please certainly turn there. Miss Bassford, when you get home today, I want you to tell your mom you figured this out faster than she did in evidences in college. All right, you tell her that I said that, okay? So I want you to turn to Acts chapter 17. Now, here's what Paul's talking about. He's talking to a group of people who are not Christians, and they have different views of God, but they have this in common. They believe there's a lot of gods and they live in temples, and people have to come and wait on them and serve them and take care of them. And here's what I want you to read. This is Acts chapter 17, and I'd like for you to start good and loud at verse 24, okay? Keep going. 
Whoa, what, 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 wait a minute, stop there. Back up and read that last phrase again. Nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything. How many in here need something to come into existence? How many in here need something to stay in existence? That's right, all of us, or else you just disappeared. That's right. So all of us are in the category of need something to exist. But what we've seen just by thinking through it is that there is one who does not need anything else to exist. And that is exactly, and why don't you read the rest of that phrase? As though he needed anything, since he himself gives life and breath to all things. So why is it that I exist? or the oak tree exists, or Tyrannosaurus rex used to exist, or potentially the Death Star could exist, and the answer would ultimately be because of, here's your time, in. That's exactly right, because of God. That is exactly right. So do you all see that what we have done here is exactly what Paul said in Romans 1, you're supposed to be able to do. You can look at visible things, people, uh, trees, fossils, and then you can think through it and realize, you know, all of these things need something else. But that couldn't be true of everything because outside of everything, there is no something else. It's just nothing. So for any of us to exist, the only way you can finally explain that is to say, there must be something that exists that just does not need anything else. And that's what Paul is saying here. God does not need anything. Yes, sir. Unlimited power. Sorry, there's another star. That's my favorite character is Emperor Palpatine. So I got really excited there at that moment. That's right. Very good. Unlimited power. So then here's what we're going to Somebody going to say, well, but the, but the, but the, just wait a minute here, Shane. I can agree there is something that needs nothing else to exist. But why would you call it God? So we're going to say, fine. Let's just think through this here. So let's think about the characteristics of something that doesn't need something else to come into existence. So as I said a moment ago, my birthday, September 7th, 1967. That's when I came into existence. And my dear friend, Kinsey, my best buddy now, hers was February 3rd, right? And it was 11 years ago, so that would be... Um, uh, 2011, right? Is my math? I'm not very good at math here. All right. So, uh, so here's the thing we can say. If you're the sort of thing that needs something else to come into existence, which is all of us, then you have a beginning and you've only been around a certain amount of time. So my friend Kenzie's 11. Any of y'all younger than 11 here this morning? That's amazing. And you guys are so sharp and you're staying with it here and that's just really incredible. I can't even begin to tell you how impressed I am with that. And uh, some of us are quite a bit older, 54. And some, let's not point any fingers. I mean, they're so old, we can hardly even, it's like they were played with Tyrannosaurus Rex when they were little kids, you know? I mean, so there's some are older. But here is the thing, no matter how old you are or how young you are, we all had a beginning and we only have a certain amount of time. Whereas if something doesn't need anything else to exist, it just exists, then it's going to be the kind of thing that doesn't come into existence and it doesn't go out of existence. Now, can anybody think of a word to describe something that doesn't come into existence, doesn't go out of existence, just always exists? What would be a good term for that? That's right. And what would be this quality of God? Yes eternal. I think that is exactly right. So God is eternal, or excuse me, that which does not need anything else to exist would be eternal, always existing. So I want to ask you to turn here, but you remember this story in Exodus chapter three, God appears to Moses. How does he appear to him? In what form? Yeah, the burning bush. That's exactly right. And he says, I want you to go and tell Pharaoh that my people go. And Moses says, who am I supposed to say is saying to you, let my people go. And do you remember what is the name 
that God gives to him. The special name, yes. I am. That's it. I am. As opposed to, I used to not be, but now I am. Or I am now, but someday I won't be. Just simply, I am. And that is the way that God describes himself to us to show us that he is eternal. You with me so far? So we've said that there's something that doesn't need anything else to exist. Fine. What would its qualities be? Well, number one, it would be eternal. All right. Here's point number two. Uh, this may sound like I'm treating you like your smaller children that you are. Trust me. I get toys still to this day for Christmas, and I love them all, all right? So when I ask you this question, please understand there's nothing, all right? But who would like to talk about a cool toy they got for Christmas? Anybody got one that really stands out? Yes, ma'am. An American girl, what? Doll, my little niece, Darby. She's all over the American girl. And it's all a big racket. Because once you get the doll, then when they really start hitting you is when you got to buy all the outfits and stuff, right? So, so she's, she's getting a bunch of those. Yes, Miss Bassford. Okay, very, very good. Yes, ma'am. Say that again. A hoverboard. Uh, if I, I'd be dead in like two seconds if I even tried one of those things there. I'm impressed that you're here. Yes, ma'am. Nice. Very nice. Very good. Yes, sir. Oh, very nice. Very nice. Yes, sir. Now, you better not say God. I mean, that's been the answer to every question this morning. Right? So, yes, what is your question? A toothbrush. That is the saddest Christmas story I've ever heard in my life. Yes. A typewriter. Wow, we got some serious people up here. Yes. Finally, a Star Wars toy. I've been waiting for somebody to come through here. Yes. A fishing pole. All right. Yes, ma'am. A violin. I played the violin. That's my favorite right now here. Yes. You play the clarinet. That's okay. Not as cool as a violin. No, that's great. Very good. Yes, sir. A drone, like the thing you fly around? Very cool. Have you crashed it yet? <laughs> Very good. That's all right. Hey, listen, you got to live is to risk. That's right. Yes, ma'am. A whole bunch of books. Very good. All right. Now, you know, there's one thing all of these things have in common. And uh, the thing that they all have in common is somebody somewhere made all of these things. And the other thing they have in common, so they're not eternal. That's the first thing I want you to see. They came into existence, right? They're all examples. They go in that box of everything in the category of need something else to exist. And I'm going to tell you what some of your parents, some of your parents went through. They went to uh, the store and they bought your toy and they brought it home. And on the front of the box, it had these words, some assembly required which means that they had to put it together. So they had to take parts and they had to put it together. Now, some of you got things that your parents themselves did not have to put together, but somebody else did at some point, right? In a factory with a machine, something like that, even your toothbrush, all right? So here is the thing we can say. All of these things are made up of parts, like in the case of a violin, there's the wood, that makes the body of the instrument, and then there's the metal that makes the strings, and then there's horsehair that makes the, the bow, all right? So all these parts, all right? If there is something that does not need anything else to exist. Now, all of these things that you mentioned, because they are made up of parts, they need something else to put them together. Would you agree with that? All right? If there is something that doesn't need anything else, then is it made up of parts that have to be put together? No. And the fancy word for that is immaterial, which just mean not made up of parts. Not made up of parts. 
So whatever it is that does not need anything else to exist would be eternal, and it would be the kind of thing that is not made up of parts. Now, let me show you a story. I think it's kind of funny, but I think a lot of things are funny. You may not find it particularly amusing at all, and that's just okay. But if you have a Bible, turn over to the book of Acts, to Acts chapter 19. So here's what happened. The Apostle Paul goes to a city called Ephesus. And Ephesus is famous for a temple to a Greek goddess whose name is Artemis or Diana. And he goes in and he preaches. And a lot of these people who used to worship idols stop worshiping the idols. Now, some of you may have gone to like uh, an amusement park or a museum and you go to the gift shop. Like you go to King's Island and you go to the gift shop and they have little replicas of King's Island you can buy and take home. I have a bunch of these little things in my house. All right. So these pagan temples, they had little miniature idols that people would make, buy, and you would take home. Well, Paul's preaching is having such an impact that the people who make their living off of making little idols are losing business. They're losing money and they complain about it. And what I want to read is their complaint, okay? So I want to start in Acts chapter 19, and could somebody good and loud, yes, sir, would you start reading at verse 23? You read, and I'll interrupt you, so you hold your place and don't let me throw you off. Commotion. Do you all know what the word commotion means? All right, there's a lot of trouble. There's big arguments and fusses. All right, keep going. Very good. Demetrius, very good. Excellent. So he's the guy. He, he makes these little, hey, your very own take home, Diana, in silver. All right, keep going. Keep going. Very good. Very good. Excellent. And then you can also go home and on your fancy new typewriter, just type that all up, can't you? All right. Now, I want you to listen carefully to what Demetrius just said. This guy, Paul, actually goes around telling people that gods made with hands are not even really gods. And guess what we would say to Demetrius? You're right. That's exactly right. If we have to make it, is it really God? No. Remember what Paul said in Acts 17, God does not live in temples made by hands, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything. If you have to build the God in order for it to exist, then guess what? That is not ultimately God. And so this guy, Demetrius, actually said something that is truer than, than he probably even would have thought. All right, so... Remember that what we're doing here is we're saying that um, there is something that needs nothing else to exist. You all were so good to get to that point. And now we're just listing its qualities. So it would be eternal. It would be immaterial. Just another way of saying not made up of parts. And one of you already said that earlier today in the study. So we've just kind of spelled it out. Now then, there are some people who say, you know, you Christians... You just made up God to be whatever you want him to be. And since you can do that, I can do that too. And so they've made up a version of God, and they call it the flying spaghetti monster. And they're actually, you know, trying to make fun of us. That what you believe in when you say you believe in God 
is just as ridiculous as saying that there is a flying spaghetti monster. Now then, based on what we have studied so far, what would you say is the big difference between a flying spaghetti monster and us? Yes. That's right. God can't be tasted. What else? What did we just say would be true of this being? Yes. Yeah, it has to be made. A sp flying spaghetti monster, obviously the noodles had to be cooked. The meatballs had to be made. Yes. Exactly. Very good. Very good. God is immaterial. This is obviously material. It can come to be and pass away, therefore. And if you don't believe me, didn't I see an olive garden not far from here? All right. So you let me go to the never-ending pasta bowl, and we'll just see how long they can last, because I can, I can put it away pretty good here. I will prove to you that a spaghetti monster would not be the eternal source of all existence, all right? Because I will eat it and it will pass away. So you can see that they're trying to make fun of us, but actually, if you understand what God actually is, you understand immediately why God is not a flying spaghetti monster. All right, everybody with me so far? Now, we could keep going for a long time here. There's just one more component that I want us to think about. So there's a guy who's a famous atheist, and his name is Richard Dawkins. And he says this, I have found it an amusing strategy when asked whether I am an atheist to point out to the questioner that the questioner is also an atheist when it comes to all these other gods, Zeus, Apollo. Have any of y'all studied those gods and some of your clothes to the Greek gods? Amon-Ra, which is Egyptian. Mithras, which is Persian, Baal, which is, you've known that from the Bible, from the Canaanites, Thor, any of y'all know who Thor is? Very good. When I was in the eighth grade, we had a, a unit on Norse mythology, and that's when I first read about Thor and Odin and Loki and all those guys, and then I'm there, for the one brief period of my life, when I was in eighth grade, I became a comic book fan because there used to be a comic book about Thor, and I would go every week to get the latest Thor comic, but then I lost interest. But then the Marvel movies came along, and so they, they have Thor. So he says, Wotan, the golden calf, and notice he also puts in the flying spaghetti monster. So here's his point. If I were to ask you, do you believe in Thor, you would say, as a real god, you would say no. And he goes, the same is true with all these others, so I just go one god further. Well, here is the big difference between God and all of these others. Are these gods up here eternal and immaterial, and are they perfect? No. And in fact, you know that if you saw this movie, right? Did you see, y'all see the Avengers movie, Infinity War, where it shows Thor now, if you haven't and you intended to watch it, I'm not giving a lot away here, okay? But let's just say that Thor starts to look much more like me than he did in the first movie, okay? So you would have to say that Thor is not perfect. In fact, not only that, if you know these movies, is Thor eternal? Has he always existed? No. All of those gods that Richard Dawkins mentions, they all have origin stories. They're not eternal. They all are material, like Thor here. In fact, he has much more material than he did in, in the first movie. A lot of them are associated with the sun and the moon and the stars, rivers, etc. So they're, they, are, they come into existence. They need something else to come into existence. So they're not eternal. They're pretty much like us, only a little bit older, bigger, more powerful, smarter, or whatever. They are certainly not perfect. And so you understand then once you, once you see this, that these, these gods, all of these gods that uh, Richard Dawkins mentions here, none of them are in the same category as what we're talking about. Because when we are talking about God, we're talking about something that doesn't need anything else to exist and therefore is eternal and immaterial, not made up of parts and it's perfect. Okay? Does that make sense to everybody? Let me give it the eyeball. 
test here. Okay, very good. All right. Hey, I told them, I told them for this class, if we're going to make it fourth graders to college, then I need just the cream of the crop. I have to have the very best to do what we're going to do today. They assured me, and sure enough, they did. I mean, look at this. This is quite a stellar group of students here because there's nothing really complicated here. You just have to think, and you just have to put some things together, and you guys have done an amazing job. So then, here is the upshot. Something exists which doesn't need anything else to exist, and it's eternal, and it's immaterial, and perfect. Anybody got a good name for such a thing as that? Yeah, I think we all do, right? It's God. That's what we mean when we talk about God in the Bible. Okay, so let me just pause here. And uh, if you look back on the front of your sheet now, all I've done on the front sheet is spell out point by point all the things that we just talked about today. But let me just pause here. Does anybody have any questions about anything we talked about today? Any point that was not clear, you want me to go back and, uh, and take a look at it? Yes, sir. Okay. That is exactly right. Did everybody hear his comment? He said he knew a friend who was an atheist who said, well, two particles smashed together, and that's where the earth came from. But then he said, but then where did the particles come from? That is exactly the right answer. So here is the thing you should understand. Science works at trying to show us how one sort of thing that is dependent and limited and material can maybe produce another thing that is dependent, limited material. What science cannot answer is why any of those things ultimately exist. And only God can answer that. Very, very, very good point. Yes. Yeah, that only is destruction rather than creation. Very good. Yes, sir. Yes, what is the answer to the problem of evil? I've got a quick 30-second answer to this question. No problem, no problem at all. Well, actually, well, I would say this. That's I'm really glad just because I brought it up last night, sort of at the end of the lesson, and then that was unfair because it was like I brought this issue up but didn't really address it. So first of all, let me remind you of the point that I made last night. You cannot argue that God does not exist because there is really evil and suffering if you can't even explain what evil is and what suffering is. So do you remember last night we talked about, you all did such a great job this morning, if there is no right and wrong, is there any such thing as evil? No. And if you don't have consciousness, do you even have suffering? No. So that's the first thing I would say is those words only make sense in a worldview where there is a God. But uh, here, is, here is the other answer. Uh, if you all have your Bibles, look at the end of the book of Genesis. Go to Genesis chapter 50. And uh, this is the story. It's the end of the story of Joseph. And you remember the story of Joseph. His brothers were jealous of him. They hated him. They thought about killing him but they end up selling him into slavery. And then through many twists and turns, he becomes a member of Pharaoh's court. And the brothers eventually come back. They need food. And you all know the story here, okay? At the end of the book, Jacob, their father, dies, and the brothers are worried that now that their father is gone, Joseph may do something bad to them to get revenge for all the terrible things that he did. And so they come to Joseph and say, hey, you know, our father wanted you to be good to us, be nice to us. And here's what Joseph says. He says, don't worry. You have nothing to worry about. 
And who hasn't read yet this morning? Raise your hand if you haven't read. Would you read Genesis chapter 50 in verse 20? Okay, here is the key phrase. Joseph says to his brothers, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for what? Good, that's exactly right. So in other words, God will permit us because he gave us freedom. Remember, that's one of the things we talked about last night. Atheists don't believe we have free will, but we believe we do have free will. And God permits us to make evil choices. There is real evil, and he permits us to do that. But because God is all-powerful, he can work through evil and suffering to bring about good things. And that's what happens in the case of Joseph. What is the good thing that happens as a result of Joseph being sold into slavery? Yeah. That's exactly right. Nations are saved. His family is saved, but nations are saved from famine. Because uh, because he is there, yeah. Say that again, Joseph. I'm not sure that was a good thing that came from this. He invented taxes. Well, he did, but of course, even then, the taxes had the benefit of saving the grain so that the people could be uh, could be fed. So here is the thing that the Bible says: Why does God permit evil and suffering? Because God can bring out of it something even greater that is good. Now then, uh, you guys are very sharp. You would have to have a great knowledge of Bible trivia. I mean, a great knowledge. Does anybody remember how old Joseph was at the start of the story when he's introduced to us? Now, are you just going to guess or you do know? Very close, very close, yeah. All right, a little bit older, yeah. Almost. No, getting colder. Yes. Or uh, even colder. 17. All right, very good. We did a little high-low there this morning. That's right. So he is he's uh, 17 at the start of the story, it says in Genesis 37. Do you remember about how old he is when he goes into the palace? He's about 30. About 30. So if my mathematics is correct, 30 minus 17 is... 13. Very good. How many of you are 13 or younger? Raise your hand. Well, almost all of you here. So I want you to think about this. As long as you have been born, as long as you have been born, Joseph was a slave or a prisoner. He was a slave or a prisoner as long as you have been born. So when Joseph was thrown into the pit and his brothers were talking about what to do to him, do you think Joseph was thinking, you know, this isn't going to be bad at all because someday at Rolling Hills, they'll probably do a vacation Bible school and I'll be one of the main characters and everything is going to be great. You think that's what he was thinking? No. As a matter of fact, later in the book of Genesis, we learn that he begged for his life from his brothers. 13 years, that's a long time. So here is the thing. When you are experiencing evil and suffering, you can't always see the good that God will bring out of it. It may be a very long time. I mentioned last night that my wife had cancer. She, she fought cancer for seven years before she passed away from it. And when she was first diagnosed, our reaction was not, oh, no big deal. We know that God can bring good out of this. We were, we were heartbroken. We not even been married a year yet when, when we found out she had cancer. Just like Joseph was heartbroken when he was crying out. But it's one thing to say that right now at the moment, I can't see what good can come from this. But it's another thing to say it's impossible that good can come from this. As it turned out in Joseph's life, it took a very long time, longer than many of you have been, been around. But God did bring something good out. Christy and I, when we would look back on our experience, even before she died, we could clearly see some good things that God brought out of it, and quite frankly, that we could not even think could have happened had it not taken place. 
And it may be that in your life here and now, you'll never fully grasp what the reason is. But that doesn't mean there isn't one. Just like all those years Joseph was a slave or a prisoner and did not know what was going on and why, it didn't mean there wasn't a reason for it. So the answer is God can bring out a greater good from our evil and suffering. But that doesn't mean it's easy, and it doesn't mean your heart won't break, and it doesn't mean you won't cry. It just means that because we believe that God is eternal and perfect and all-powerful and doesn't need anything, he has the power to bring good out of evil and suffering. And that's the answer, I think, to your question. That's a great question. Very good. Man, you guys are uh, you guys are top notch. I, I gotta I gotta go home and brag on you guys. Some of our kids, well, I'll just stop there. But I mean, you guys are you guys are just great. All right, it's almost ten o'clock, but um, so we've got like almost an hour. I mean, more than an hour before next time. So I'm very happy to keep keep asking questions. If anybody else has any other question, either about the lesson today or some other thing that's been on your mind that. Maybe it's kind of troubled you in your faith. or I will tell you one thing that I thought was very interesting. When you said you were talking to a friend who is an atheist, is he about your age? And how old are you? Yeah. I'm just going to tell you, when I was 10 years old, I didn't know any atheists. Certainly none of my friends. The world is very different for you guys than it was for me. And I hate it in many ways. I hate that you all have to experience and deal with the things that you have to that I never did. But it makes it more important than ever for us to be able to come together then and and do what we're doing this morning. Yes, sir. He sounds a lot like this guy's, but is it the same guy? What's his name here? Because that's a very similar story. But you ask exactly the right question. Where did the rocks come from? Yeah. Oh, yeah, oh, I got you. Well, you know, that's a really good point that uh, sometimes people who believe uh, we get attacked and people say, well, you only believe because your parents taught you. Well, you know, we all come into the world having to be taught. 